0: Colonial Pipeline is back online, and gas will flow to the East Coast soon enough. But it will still be days before the pumps have the gas. No, it is not a panic in buying. It's a recognition that people do need gas to get around from point A to point B. Having Jennifer Granholm, the energy secretary, laugh at people saying, well, if you had a Prius, this wouldn't happen. <laughs> not helpful. Calling people and telling people not to panic. Well, you can say, hey, guys, don't panic. It's going to be all right. But saying that panic buying is what's led to the shortage is really an insult to the people who have been affected. Been affected because of a hack from Russia, even though President Biden says it was not the Russian government. What does that matter? It came from Russia. Russia must deal with the consequences. Not only was it a hack, it was a ransomware hack. Pay us or we will take your data and we will exploit your data or we'll corrupt your data, et cetera. Well, last night, the people at Colonial Pipeline weren't paying. This morning, they paid $5 million. Should they have? Should they not have? Should the federal government have paid it? Is it possible they did and haven't told anybody? What are the ramifications of knowing you can hold part of the United States hostage? Should the government have jumped in and said, you can't pay these people? Absolutely not. What have we wrought? by the payment itself. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you guys. Facebook, Tony Katz Radio, the phone number 833, got Tony, 833-468-8669. Scheduled to speak with Indiana Senator Todd Young a little bit later, the latest going on in Israel, the conversation of Hamas and how they are engaged in terrorism, and fellow members of Congress... Who believe that Israel shouldn't exist and don't bring up Hamas, this terrorist organization, at all. We'll get into all that. But outside of Colonial Pipeline paying the five million dollars, which we will, we need to discuss, Joe Biden spoke, and he said, "Look, we're going to take some some steps here to make things easier on you." And, I, and and we recorded it. I wanted to share it with you, so you heard the president in his own words. You know, there are, are. I have said this, and I want to make sure I'm on the record. I believe that all the talk of Joe Biden not being up to the uh, up to the task mentally—well, he's not up to the task mentally because this is all too overwhelming. I don't believe he has any um, real, real grasp of, of of good solutions. But I will make the argument that I do not believe that he doesn't know what's going on. I believe he is fully in control of his faculties. He really has an issue getting it out. He really has an issue putting his thoughts in a in a cohesive way. But I believe it is his attitude. And by the way, I I I don't think his attitude's a good one. I think he's not a nice guy. Joe Biden's not a nice guy. He's proven that time and again. If he has to explain to you, "Hey, it's a joke. It's a joke. I'm just joking. It's a joke." Maybe there's a problem with the way you tell a joke. Just saying it, it's possible. But he spoke about the colonial pipeline and said,
1: "Hey, look, here's what we're doing." He orders that lifts hours, the hours restrictions, and allowed states to lift weight restrictions for tank truck drivers to be on the road. This allows those drivers to work more and carry more fuel to the affected regions. Third, the Environmental Protection Agency issued a targeted 20-day waiver of standards in several states to give fuel suppliers more flexibility to use available fuels where they're needed, which will boost the fuel supply. And those, uh, those last two actions have made tens of millions of gallons of additional fuel available each day to be able to be distributed. Put another way, the extraordinary measures the administration has taken, we estimate, sent enough gas to stations to fill the tanks of over 5 million vehicles in the last few days. Fourthly, As part of an effort to use every possible means to accelerate fuel deliveries, last night I granted a waiver of the Jones Act to uh, fuel suppliers. This allows non-U.S. flagged vessels to transport refined fuel products from the Gulf of Mexico to affected areas, and we'll grant additional waivers if necessary. These steps are temporary, but they will remain in place until full service is fully restored. This is, a, this is a whole of government response to get more fuel more quickly to where it's needed and to limit the pain being felt by American customers. Now, here's what drives the driver uh, in the states that are affected. Here's what the, you can do, the drivers.
0: Let's hold up on the drivers just one second there, President Biden. I don't think he said anything wrong in, in, in that that was okay here what what can we do here's what we can do okay let's do those things i don't think anybody regardless of your political party is like oh that's terrible okay all right make it easier on people you've got a, a a situation so you're gonna change some so some rules now maybe you never needed those rules to begin with but that's neither here nor there okay People like action, there it is, there's some action. Now they want some action on Russia, we're not there yet. Uh, but now he's talking about drivers, what's what's driving this?
1: Don't panic, number one. I know seeing lines at the pumps or gas stations with no gas can be extremely stressful. But this is a temporary situation. Do not get more gas than you need in the next few days. As I said, we expect the situation to begin to improve by the weekend and into early next next week and gasoline supply is coming back online and panic buying will only slow the process
0: i don't think that he's i because I, I heard this earlier i'm like stop telling people they're panicking it's 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 an insult i don't actually think he's telling people they're panicking that happened from others lots of talk about it, it's just panic buying that's causing the shortages what are you talking about Topping off your tank because there's an issue is rational. It's not panic buying. It's not panic buying when you need a certain amount of gas each and every day, week and month to be able to handle things in your life. It's not panic buying when you're on a quarter of a tank and you're like, wait a second. I have driving to do for the rest of this week. And it's insulting when they called it panic buying. But the president to say, guys, I know that you're seeing a long line. We're going to fix this. Breathe deep. We're going to get through it together. I don't mind that. Now, there are many things I mind about Joe Biden. Hold up. And how he's going to deal with Russia is going to be one of them. The top one. But on this so far, he is hitting the things mostly fine. I hate when, he's, when they're saying, oh, don't panic. Stop panicking. Don't downplay what has happened here. It was a cyber attack that exposed exactly how fragile the American ecosystem is. And we have not engaged at all with making Russia suffer for it. Right? We don't have to question whether or not someone put bounties on American soldiers, which they never proved about the Russians, although I'm here to tell you it totally happens. The Russians, the Chinese, the Iranians, the North Koreans, all have bounties on American soldiers. The Russians, uh, the North Koreans, the Iranians, the Chinese, uh, George Soros, they all have bounties on American soldiers. I don't know, just making sure people are paying attention. But you're not going to deal with Russia? Well, that's going to be a problem.
1: And I also want to say something to the gas stations. Do not, I repeat, do not try to take advantage of consumers during this time. I'm going to work with governors of the affected states to put a stop to price gouging wherever it arises. And I'm asking our federal agencies to stand ready to provide assistance to state-level efforts to monitor and address any price gouging at the pump. I would
0: throw Joe Biden out of office for that alone. You heard me compliment him multiple times. And then he gets to that. Let me make sure I'm clear on price gouging. Someone's allowed to call it price gouging. Wait, it was $2 yesterday and it's $7 today. Well, you know, demand. Well, that's not right, you're gouging me. Maybe, but it ain't against the law. I have a product and I can decide whatever I want to charge for you to you for that product. You decide whether you want to buy it. Well, Tony, I can't survive without gas. I've got the gas though. And here's the price. You can make the argument that it's wrong. You can make the argument that it's immoral. But Joe Biden's gonna work with federal agencies to decide what you can charge for a product? Throw him out of office, because that's not the way it works. But Tony, it's wrong in a time of crisis. Oh, your morality at play, that's fine. That's fine. So in a time of crisis, I think your morality should jump in and you should pay the differential here's what you should pay here's what they're charging i'll pay the difference because you're such a moral kind good decent person your argument that the gas uh the 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 station the gas station may be wrong you're entitled to that opinion that we want government involvement to stop them from charging the price that they want to charge is disgusting there's the difference And so when I discuss there's no such thing as price gouging, it is to the idea that people can charge what they choose. And of course they charge more when the supply is less. But, Tony, it's a crisis. You can't charge more in a crisis. Oh, you have to suspend some things in a crisis. You mean like the Constitution? If COVID was such a crisis that they said we can't have anybody speaking out against what Dr. Fauci is telling us and what the CDC is telling us, so we have to put limits on free speech to ensure the right information's getting out, you telling me people would be okay with that? I tell you that's one of the great horrors that we've seen from COVID, that not only would people be okay with that, there were people who call themselves intellectuals who were outwardly favoring that. They favor people being silenced on social media. they favor people being silenced on television. They favor people being silenced on radio. they favor taking things down from YouTube. They favor it oh but it's a it's a, it's a crisis we We have to act you know for the good of the people. The Constitution doesn't exist in a crisis. I would argue that the Constitution exists in a crisis most. Yeah, well, of what value are your principles if you ain't willing to use them in a time of crisis to follow them to live by them? It's you know, was it? The Sunshine Patriot, fair, fair weather friends. Is, is that the right use of Sunshine Patriot? Someone's gonna get back with me. No, 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 something is scarce, it becomes more valuable you can think it's wrong but you can't stop someone from charging the price and if we think the government can stop those people from charging the price i think the price of a can of tuna fish is too expensive it's covid tuna should have been 22 cents a can we were gouging people for a year on freaking chicken of the sea no one said that why not All right, tuna fish is too harsh of an example. There are hundreds of others going ahead. Or too weird of an example, we got others. People's push, desire, need, weird sexual fetish about, well, the government has to do something about this, is the most dangerous stuff out there. If COVID exposed anything, it exposed the horror of how quickly we can get into a Soviet-style system we have a virus sit at home wear your government appointed gray garb and await further instruction and people said okay just tell me when i can go outside again it's like talking about masks oh my god oh my gosh have you not heard the conversation about masks remember they told you that, that 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 masks Oh my God! You got—you always got to wear a mask. Mask is what stops COVID. Mask stops COVID. And that's like ah, maybe a mask doesn't doesn't necessarily uh, stop uh, the COVID. Maybe that's that's not how it works. Then you have Dr. Anthony Fauci saying that people don't have to wear masks outside. This comes because the CDC was caught in a lie. The CDC said, well, exposure from outdoors, if you're outdoors for coronavirus, it's 10% of the cases. No, it's not. It's less than 1%. And we think it's less than 0.1%. They took data from Singapore and they totally messed it up. If you are vaccinated, you don't have to wear a mask outside. And by the way, he's still talking about reasons you would wear a mask. They totally got the data wrong. They've been lying to us for a full year. And now they're like, oh, yeah, you don't have to wear a mask outside. And then you get to Randy Weingarten, who's the head of the American uh, Federation of Teachers, saying, you know what, let's open the schools next year. I I thought the kids had to be... uh, I thought the kids had to be vaccinated first. Don't they have to be vaccinated first? Oh, that! I was just kidding about that. Just kidding about that. (laughs) Just a joke. I don't know. She's changed her mind. Masks went from the single most important thing you could do to save America. You got to wear a mask. Wear it outdoors. Vaccinated wear a mask. Double mask. Triple mask. You should have on a full iron lung. 24-7, but in the reverse. So only your head is in it to nanana master cool you don't need to wear them it's fine and people are like oh okay now i don't have to we sat and we waited for instructions from people who didn't know best because we the people are the government and we forgot and we not even forgot we willfully gave it up willfully gave it up and now I've got Joe Biden telling people you can't charge what you want to charge the constitution doesn't say that if you morally don't want to charge more don't if you want to charge more you can you've got the product and for Joe Biden to think that the government should get involved in this what else will they get involved with I'm Tony Katz Nancy Pelosi has her finger on the pulse of immigration issues in the United States of America. Thank goodness. Thank goodness. Because I always thought her finger would be just a little too cold (laughs) because of all that ice cream. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. And she wants you to know, here's why people are fleeing where they live and coming to the United States.
1: Second, late, roots. Second are reconstruct. You had to deconstruct the horrible situation that the Trump administration had created at the border. Deconstruct it so you can reconstruct a better system. And they have. And the third is uh, my friends, the refugees, as I've said to you all before, you've heard it, you can repeat it, I'm sure, because you've heard me say it over and over again that when we had a hearing on this subject, the evangelicals said that the U.S., the United States refugee resettlement program is the crown jewel of American humanitarianism.
0: Yes, but it should actually apply to refugees, not migrants. Refugees are people who can't go back to where they live. They'll get killed. Migrants are people who want to move. The system wasn't terrible under Trump. This is just a lie. And the roots of, of the issues in the Northern Triangle and El Salvador, etc., have to do with corruption and, and a lot of things. that has, That's a long-term solution. What are you doing about today? And the answer for Speaker Pelosi is, oh, nothing. We're just going to blame Trump and move on. Finger on the pulse. Senator Todd Young scheduled to be with us the latest on what's going on in Israel. This is Tony Katz today. The bombs continue to get dropped in Israel. Hamas continues this attack against the Israeli people. This starts, as we heard uh, from uh, the council general to the Midwest of Israel, Aviv Ezra, with Hamas unhappy that it isn't able to have even more control over the Palestinian people and thus rocks thrown at the Temple Mount, leading to fighting and leading to bloodshed. The Israeli Defense Forces have responded with force, taking down buildings, taking out one apparatus after another, and you get the feeling that this is different. You get the feeling that this has a... a Well, not a short-term game, but rather a long-term game to it. Possibly because the rockets that have been fired out of Hamas, out of Gaza, into Israel, have gone the breadth of the country. Tel Aviv, Jerusalem, other areas have been hit people are actually living now in bomb shelters. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you. Let me bring in Senator Todd Young of Indiana. Young.senate.gov is where you go. He sits on the US Senate Committee on Foreign Relations and I know that uh, following these things as you have, for example, dealing with Iran and 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 Yemen, the Houthi rebels, the 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 proxy war being fought there, one one of your one of your strong points if, if you will uh, what is the latest on what have you have heard out of out of Israel and as, as a follow up do you see this as different than other what we'll call for lack of a better word skirmishes
2: thanks for having me on Tony um, so look I think you've done a really good job with your lead in uh, once again Israel is uh, under assault. Uh, they're under assault uh, by terrorist forces, in this case Hamas, uh, which is indeed a Palestinian terror group funded by the leading state sponsor of international terror, which we know to be Iran. Uh, we've seen more than a thousand rockets fired into Israel, and, and as you indicated, uh, all throughout the country. So there's really no safe haven. Israel's been here before. Uh, You know, they've they've been here uh, in multiple wars, often feeling quite lonely. And it's really important that uh, they feel as though the United States has their back. We are, at times, their singular ally, their only real ally. And uh, it, it's uh, very important because I've been speaking to their leaders, members of my office have been speaking to their leadership uh, about the importance of, of standing shoulder-to-shoulder shoulder with Israel, ensuring that they have all the means uh, that they need at their disposal to defend themselves. It was only eight months ago, it's hard to believe, it was only eight months ago that we had an unprecedented peace breaking out uh, across the Middle East, and this was under President Trump's leadership. The regime in Iran was on, on the brink of, of financial collapse. Resources were drying up for them to export this terrorist activity to places like Israel. And you actually had Arab countries, for the first time, uh, United Arab Emirates and Bahrain, uh, uh, who signed up for the historic Abraham Accords, indicating that they were prepared to partner with the United States and ushering in this new era of peace with Israel and 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 to grow it across the Middle East. So you know, fast forward eight months, and here we are. Israel is is under assault. And we're seeing just how quickly things can unravel in that part of the world.
0: Now, let's discuss the Abraham Accords for a second, because I think people have a, a misconception of what makes these so valuable. And I'd love to get your thoughts on it, talking to Senator Todd Young of Indiana. The Abraham Accords reset an idea in the Middle East that you have to solve the quote-unquote Palestinian question. What are you going to do about the Palestinians? You need a Palestinian homeland before you can have some kind of normalized relations with Israel, this changed the game and said we yeah. can have normalized relations because we need normalized relations, and then we can work on other things. That's always the way I have taken it. You agree? Yeah. You disagree? And and that that process certainly looked like a success, or it was on a track to success.
2: No, I, I think you're absolutely right, Tony. Uh, they. Uh, The Arab leaders, the leaders across the Middle East, uh, had for years distracted from their own internal challenges, Uh, whether it was, you know, internal uh, battles for power or, or, or to maintain power. Uh, or economic challenges, failure to develop their economies as uh, Europeans and, and, and Americans and the Japanese and other groups prosperous. So, in order to distract from their own deficiencies of leadership, uh, from uh, their their own challenges, uh, they would turn the Israelis, the Jews, uh, into the problem. They would distract. From the domestic challenges they they faced, and 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 they consistently said that it was Israel that was oppressing the Palestinians, and once that situation was resolved, this this sore, this cancer, they would they would effectively say uh, that it, Israel, um, you know, would would be uh, erased from their midst, and and. Um, you know, people's lives would be significantly improved. Well, these, these very same leaders never, they didn't send aid to the Palestinians, or, or, or certainly no significant aid. That was Israel that actually took care of the Palestinians and the United States in, in, in large measure. So what what the Abraham Accords proved was essentially what you said, was that Let's set aside the the challenging Palestinian question over whose land this is, and and, and, uh, so, and so forth. Recognizing that uh, the state of Israel exists and will continue to exist, uh, that uh, Palestinians uh, need a place to live, and they need you know they need life opportunities and safety and security like everyone uh, else. Uh, but, but let's see where we can find agreement. And, and there were some bold leaders. Uh, You've got to commend the leaders of the United Arab Emirates and Bahrain and then later you know, uh, Sudan and, and Morocco. And, and they decided to establish economic and diplomatic relationships with the state of Israel because they regarded it in their best interest and, frankly, consistent with their own values uh, rather than the terroristic values of, of say, in Iran. And then they could all collectively partner together, one sort of could take this a step further, to combat Iran and its, uh, its malign influence across the region. Let's so, talk. I mean, this was an incredibly um, a bold geopolitical move, catalyzed by the Trump administration, and um, it's still there. Uh, but you see what happens when you, when you don't have bold leadership, American leadership— Uh, as it relates to Israel and the Middle East.
0: Talking to Senator Todd Young of Indiana, let's talk values. Because yesterday there was a rally to free Palestine. And speaking there was Representative Rashida Tlaib out of Michigan and Representative Andre Carson out of Indianapolis, Indiana. And they talked about how what's happening to the Palestinians is just like what's happening to black and brown people at the hands of cops all across America. And that if you're black in America, it's your fight. And if you're white in America, it's your fight. And if you're this and if you're that, and if you're the other, it's it's your fight. Is in the in this world, a Biden administration world, are the values of America still to see Israel as an ally worth defending?
2: Of course, we need to double down on our defense uh, uh, of of Israel, our alignment with Israel, our encouragement of of, uh, the democratic values that are, are perpetuated. Uh, and uh, promulgated by Israel, by the innovative uh, economic culture they've cultivated, which would benefit others across the Middle East. We don't just need Israel to continue to exist. Imagine if we had, so to speak, several Israels, several vibrant democracies, capitalist economies, pluralistic countries where Arabs and 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 Jews and Muslims and and have have lived coexisted peacefully side by side uh, if you had that across the Middle East then uh, that region would be far less dangerous far m- more stable and uh and, and frankly less of a, a geopolitical and national security challenge for the United States so um You know, the the fact that the rally you referenced by some of our Congress people, uh, uh, you know, the fact that that occurred during National Police Week and uh, they're equating an oppression of one people by another to our own police forces, that does trouble me uh, enormously. I want to take this opportunity, Tony, if you'll indulge me, to thank our brave men and women in uniform for their service. Those who've served, for example, in the, in the Indianapolis market, uh, where I, I, I know you um, live, and uh, you have many listeners. You know, our Hoosier officers work every day to keep our, our community safe throughout Indiana. Officers do across the country. Of course there are a couple of bad apples. And no one dislikes a bad cop more than a good cop. And the good cops outnum, outnumber the bad cops. Ten thousand to one. So, look, we have to focus on what we can do to protect public safety and support our law enforcement, and then foster trust in our communities. And to the extent we undermine that through demagogic rhetoric and unfair cheap shots, um, you know, that's—I um, think—that's really unfortunate.
0: Well, I still have a couple minutes left talking to Senator Todd Young of Indiana. You also sit on the U.S. Senate Committee on on Commerce, Science and Transportation. And one of the things that you are involved in is the regulation of of interstate uh, common carriers, including pipelines. We've seen what's happened with the colonial pipeline, uh, the attack uh, that came out of Russia, if not from the Russians, which I say is a distinction without a difference. Uh, And now it coming back online, President Biden speaking earlier uh, today uh, uh, about this. How concerning is this ransomware attack by this Russian outfit and exactly what needs to be done to limit this to the best of our ability?
2: So, I mean, this is incredibly serious. Uh, we need to let Vladimir Putin know that, uh, and you're probably right. Uh, there's, it's probably a distinction without a difference. But to the extent uh, there was any nexus between his leadership of of Russia on one hand and the enablement of Russian actors within his country to shut down uh, a critical asset in this country, uh, uh, there, there will be very significant consequences. And I think we keep him guessing, Tony, as to the time and place and, and manner in which we will respond. Uh, there are many different ways. There are kinetic ways. There are information warfare uh, mechanisms, psychological warfare. There there are cyber attacks of our own uh, that uh, we could bring to bear against uh, the Russians, to say nothing of the economic measures we've already uh, taken against them in recent years. But, look, we're going to have to get better at this. We're going to have to get better at hardening our own critical assets so that uh, our power grids, our water treatment plants, Uh, our freshwater supplies, uh, our airports, our our, um, air traffic control systems, and on and on and on, aren't disrupted by foreign actors like Russia, Iran, North Korea, and communist China. And uh, we still have some work to do. Part of this, the answer comes down to research and development into cutting edge, uh, cyber hardening uh, technologies. Uh, Some of those research activities will occur in our our major universities uh, and others through our national laboratories. I just ushered through the Center Commerce Committee piece of legislation I've been working on for about 18 months, the Endless Frontier Act, that would work with our trusted allies to pool our resources to come up with these uh, resiliency technologies and so that we can avoid these sorts of attacks in the future.
0: The Colts just came out with their schedule. You like it?
2: I do. You know, it was texted to me, Tony, earlier today. And um, let me pull it up right now.
0: You got the Here Seahawks. Go. You got the Rams. And then they Seahawks travel to Earth.
2: Tennessee.
0: The yeah, Dolphins got, and we, the Ravens. This is all the first five games. This is not fun.
2: Yeah. You know, you know, why not just um, be bold or go home? So, um, why don't we just win the first five? Why don't we just put it to rest? Let's just go win the first five and shock and awe the country and have an electric start to our next football season. Starting be bold September or go, go home to say? Senator
0: Todd Young. He'll also play left tackle in case Eric Fisher doesn't work out.
2: <laughs> Senator Todd Young, I
0: appreciate you taking the time to be with us, sir. Much more to get to. I'm Tony Katz.